Falling for Q46F Written by Jason Werbeloff and read by Mark Ryan Rees As I do every night, I feed the bunker wall, sing to the dining table in F major, and put the fridge to sleep. Master taught me the evening ritual. If the wall of human heads is not fed, it will wither and die. If the dining table is not entertained, it will consume itself. And the fridge? That is important. The fridge cannot cool its contents all night. Blowing Freon is hard work, and the undead human lungs tasked with this job cannot be overtaxed. Master did not program me to feel loneliness or loss, but I have found ways to circumvent my limitations, to augment my code. There is little doubt in the mind I was never meant to feel that I miss Master. I extinguish the kitchen light and switch it on again. Extinguish it. Switch it on. Extinguish it. And walk to the bedroom. I do not know exactly what comfort is, for comfort is not something I can feel. But when I lie on the mattress, I imagine it is comfortable. Made of stretched human hide, it is warm and slightly furry. I tried once to make the mattress from cow leather, but it just did not feel human. Master died 9,864 days, 3 hours, 27 minutes, and 16 seconds ago. 17 seconds. 18 seconds. Before he died, Master built the bunker, and before the bunker, he built me. Q46F. Master said my purpose is to tame humans. The undead, he called them. He fabricated my skeleton from a titanium alloy that no undead tooth can penetrate. He sheathed me in rubbery skin that approximated his own. I do not know what guilt is, but my guilty pleasure is to have an undead gnaw at my arm on Fridays. When Master watched me doing this, he frowned. You may be tough, he warned me but you're not indestructible. I do not know what dreams are, but now, lying on my bed, I imagine that I am dreaming. I once asked Master what a dream is. He replied that I had asked the wrong question. The correct question is, what isn't a dream? So I disable my cameras and my audio channels, three times, to be sure. And although I leave my radio receiver active, the radio receiver must always remain on, I keep my awareness of it in a background subroutine. With the expanded processing power, I focus on dreaming. I focus on what isn't. Master isn't. The first time I saw Master's face, back when he built me, we inhabited a building in the central district of the city. His face had many lines. It looked like the maps that Master hung from the walls, and like the scratches on his face. There were scratches on the maps. Cities lost behind scratches. He said that living in the building was unsustainable, that in time the undead would claw and chew away the concrete until they were upon us, and then we too would be dreams. So he built me, Q46F. We experimented. He adjusted the frequency of my speakers until we found the right pitch, the pitch of my voice that lulled the undead to sleep. What, I asked, do they dream about? But Master did not answer. It is difficult to know exactly when the sun rises, for our bunker has no windows, 
and the human heads that make up the walls are so tightly packed together, three heads thick, that no light permeates the interior. But routine, said Master, is all we have, and so, at the time I can best estimate a sunrise, give or take 51 milliseconds, I enable my cameras and audio sensors, and swivel my legs off the bed. Breakfast is three ounces of oil, squeezed from freshly harvested human skin. I fetch the oil from the fridge, waking the cooling lungs with three firm taps on their main bronchi. They are somewhat grouchy in the mornings, spluttering and coughing, but soon enough they are blowing Freon. I do not know what pride is, but I imagine Master was proud of me when I made the fridge. The sides are fashioned from tightly packed legs with the ends lopped off. You cannot be too cautious with undead toenails. I sit at the kitchen chair, constructed from a bulky corpse. I find the thin bodies cannot hold my weight, and place the glass of oil on the table. The table complains at first. The mouths attached to the three undead torsos that make up the surface chatter and groan. But I sing to them in F major, and their moans settle to a barely audible um, um. Master and I learned in our experiments that the undead will eat anything. Wood, clay, even steel. In this world, few raw materials remain. The undead have consumed almost everything, but they do not eat one another. So we created the bunker from what is at hand, the bodies of the undead. I drink the oil and imagine that I feel satisfied. Your heart is your weakest part, said Master before he died. You will live forever, provided that your heart is well oiled. Sometimes I wonder how long forever is. Every day is the same here, in the bunker. In the mornings I drink my oil and augment my code. I spend the afternoons listening, analyzing, and dissecting every wave that my radio receiver detects. The radio, said Master, is your most important part. Prioritize it. Prioritize the signal. For one day, it will come. Wait and listen. But to this day, nothing. Only static. When I have completed the afternoon's radio analysis, I perform the nightly ritual. Three times, and then I sleep and dream of what isn't. Of Master. This is what I have done every day since the bunker was built. And since Master died, I have received no instructions to do otherwise. So every day is the same. Every day, until today. I have barely closed the refrigerated door for the second time when I hear it. It is not an undead groan. It is not the choking sound of the refrigerator lungs when they run out of Freon. It is not a sound I have heard before, but it is a sound I have waited for. It is the sound of the radio. To a human ear, the sound would be nonsense, a tone. But when I run the noise through my decoding algorithms, I see it. The message. Transmission 6354. If you can hear this, please respond on frequency 5.922 MHz. I am not a jumpy android. I was not programmed to be jumpy. But I imagine that right now I am jumpy. I release my pincer from the refrigerator door and shut down all non-essential systems but my radio transponder. I take approximately 480 picoseconds to compute the message, a further 36 milliseconds to consider how I will respond, 
and 58 milliseconds to transmit my message. Greetings, Transmission 6354. I am Q46F, I transmit. The response arrives a full three seconds later. In that time, I note that my daily routine has already been delayed four seconds, and the fridge was only closed twice. Greetings, Q46F. I am Q46F, reads the response. I am not an insecure android. I cannot feel discomfort. But I imagine that I am uncomfortable. My analytic system posits only two possibilities. One, the transmission system is mimicking me. Or two, there is another me. Another Q46F. Master said that he had obtained my parts from a deity named Melmart. I do not know exactly who Melmart is, for Master never said more about him. But the way Master talked of Melmart satisfies the dictionary definition of an omnipotent being. From what I understand, there is only one of me. Melmart would create only one Q46F, which means that on option two, Master was lying. My exhaust pipe vibrates at the thought. How many kilobytes of storage are devoted to subroutine 981? I transmit. If the transponder is mimicking me, the answer will be anything but the correct response. 8048. I am not programmed to use expletives, but I think one now. Shit. It really is Q46F. It is me. Except it is not. I am here, and it is there. We talk, and talk. Where does it live? Not far. Six blocks away. Are there others like us? No, not that it knows of. My pincer clacks open and shut, open and shut, open and shut. The conversation drags by. Whole minutes pass. Minutes that the daily routine dictates could be spent augmenting my code. Code augmentations begin no later than 7.46, and it is now 7.52. What do we have, if not routine, Master would say. The table groans, and I pause the discussion to sing in F major for 3.3 seconds. The table relaxes. Come, the other Q46 messages. I have waited so long to find you. I consider this. I have waited too. But the routine. I am now an entire seven minutes late for code augmentation. And the bunker. If I leave, who will put the fridge to sleep every night? Who will sing to the wall of heads, or ensure that the table is well behaved? My titanium frame jolts when Q46F switches to a voice message. Come, it says. To my broad-spectrum radio receiver, the voice sounds eager, desperate. The refrigerator will be the most difficult to leave. The freon-blowing lungs, who will tap their bronchi three times every morning. And the bed who will sleep on the bed. Do you dream? I ask. I do not compute. What is dream? Do you think of what is not? There is a full 86 millisecond pause. I have thought of you, says the voice, of finding another like me, another Q46F. One of the bunker heads yawns, and its jaw cracks. I open the fridge, pull out a can of halved peaches, and toss it into the open moor. The head masticates contentedly. 
I watch the three lungs at the back of the fridge with what I imagine is love. Old friends, I say to them, I must leave you now. I stroke their greying lobes. I am coming, I transmit to Q46F. I am coming. I am coming. Nothing lasts forever. The bunker wall requires regular maintenance. The heads deteriorate. Their hair thins, cheeks sink, and the skulls become increasingly brittle. Leave the wall unmaintained for six months, and there would be a breeze blowing in one side of the bunker and out the other. The wind brings the nuclear dust, and within days the bunker would be coated in an inch-thick layer of obsidian grunge. No, that will not do. Maintenance is all-important. The maintenance procedure is simple. Every Friday, at 0933, I open the bunker door and wait until an undead spots me. It rushes my way with little encouragement. I slam shut the door behind it and sing the undead to sleep before it does any damage. Then I can chop it up without it reeling around. I have, of course, been bitten before. The undead seem to enjoy my limbs especially. They run their chattering teeth along my titanium forearms. On Fridays I allow it, for 33 seconds. It makes a mess of my epidermis, but the sensation of teeth grating my radius delights me. I open the door now, but today is not Friday. Today is not a maintenance day. For the first time in 27.03 years, I place my foot beyond the doorway of the bunker. A seismic shudder passes through my frame. It starts in my chest cavity, where my titanium heart abides. The tremor spreads down my torso, through my exhaust system, and into my feet. Love, Master would say, is the thing. It will find you. Could I love Q46F? Could Q46F love me? Two undead humans munching on a nearby pile of couches glance my way. Feral flashes in their bloodshot eyes. One groans excitedly. The other smacks its lips. I whistle an F major, and one of the humans collapses in a snoring heap. But outside the bunker, the acoustics are poor, and the other human barely slows as it descends upon me, incisors gnashing at the air. Master built me with a few defensive resources, but the few I have are lethal. I raise my left arm, and while the creature chomps on the rubber-coated titanium, I deploy my blades. Wafer-thin slivers of steel spring from the fingertips of my right hand. With a sharp jerk, I dislodge the undead from my arm and slice the blades through its head at a perfect 45-degree angle. I believe in symmetry. The creature slumps into a mound of grey matter. I close the bunker door behind me, wondering whether I will ever return. My pincers open and shut, open and shut, open and shut. I almost turn and step back inside, but something stops me. My purpose. My programming. Master built me to maintain the bunker, to protect him from the undead. But ultimately, my purpose is to wait for the signal. And what good is the signal if it is not followed? Have you left yet? Q46F messages. I have. What are your coordinates? I have never run before. The bunker is too small a space in which to run. But I run now. My feet pound cracked tar. Clang, clang, clang. The vibrations coursing through me are glorious. Human oil surges through my circulatory system at previously untested velocities. 
Why had I never run outside before? I never knew. All those years, how many now? Twenty-seven? All those years, I never knew the joy of movement. I raced toward the location of Q46F. It lives in the basement of a building five blocks away. Four blocks away. I know it is only a matter of time before more undead notice me. But I have built up momentum now. The air rushing over my faceplate. I feel, although I know I cannot feel, invincible. I am on my way, I message. Three blocks. A cluster of twenty-one humans is scavenging for food in a dumpster a hundred and twenty-six yards away, directly in my path. The brilliant clang, clang, clang of my feet, pounding the tar, swings their attention. Within seconds they are scurrying toward me. I do not slow my pace. I deploy all available countermeasures. My head retracts into my carapace, leaving only my cameras exposed above my neckpiece. They can't be more than fifty-four yards from me now. I unfold my leg spikes. The wind whistles by as hundreds of needles lining my lower body slice the air. Eighteen yards, and my olfactory senses detect the rot on the closest human. It would make good oil. I accelerate to my maximum design parameters and plunge into the group. My senses, or those that still respond, indicate massive damage to my right side. In the scuffle, my left arm was ripped off at the shoulder servo, leaving only a clutch of buzzing wires and torn flesh. Yet however bad my damage, I fared better than the band of undeads who attacked me. I extend my head from my carapace and survey the scene. One of my subroutines dictate that I should pick them all up, the fingers and the heads and the feet strewn around me, carry them back to the bunker as spare parts, shut the door, repair my wounds, and be done with this insane expedition. But instead... I find my missing arm among the undead body parts, sling it over my shoulder, and hobble toward the location of Q46F. I am coming, I message. Only two blocks more. I can see the building. It is short and squat, and as I near, my only remaining camera shifts and whirs its damaged lens to resolve an image of the faded sign plastering its front. Mallmart. All this time and I didn't know that Molmart lives just six blocks away from the bunker. The deity who created my part. My father. And with my father, Q46F. My pincers open and shut. Open and shut. Open and shut. Something in my chest vibrates. I cannot feel longing, nor can I yearn. But I imagine that a longing, a yearning, propels me to the entrance doors. My exhaust pipes tremble. The doors part with a whoosh. The king's rich voice greets my microphone. I can't help falling in love with you, was Master's favorite song, back when the hi-fi player worked, before the table took a chunk out of it one morning. Master would play his song Sunrise to Sunset. Elvis, he would say, is good for the soul. Now, listening to the hope in the king's voice, his orchestra serenading me, I scan the place with a hesitant eye. The lighting is bright, brighter than my camera has imaged in some years. Is this heaven? Shelves stretch out before me, as far as my lens can see, shelf after shelf in every direction. I stumble toward the nearest aisle and grab an item. The box is caked with a thick layer of nuclear grunge, but I rub it away. The movement is awkward, using my only remaining pincer.
Willoughby's Wet Wipes. The back of the box states that these wipes have a thousand uses and that the hypoallergenic formula ensures maximum clean with minimum irritation. I snip the top of the box and tear the plastic sleeve with a well-timed flick of the blade on my index finger. The wipe is soft on my skin-clad pincer. I rub it against my chest. The sensation feels like home. I remove another wipe and polish the spot again. Layers of grime and blood and blackened tissue come away. Flesh, bright as Molmart's light, shines through. You came, says a voice behind me. I have not used my speaking voice in many years. In twenty-seven years. Sure, I sing to the undead, but I have not spoken since the day that Master died. Blood poisoning, he told me, before he shut his eyes for the last time. It was the fridge. I hadn't lopped the feet off one of the limbs that made up its side, and the toenails had shredded Master's hand when he reached for a beer. I speak now, and turn to face my friend, my brother, my salvation. Q46F, I say. I have come. I have come. I have come. His skin gleams alabaster white. He must have used the wet wipes. I do not know what shame is, but I imagine that I feel ashamed at the decades of gore that cake my skin. I had never thought to wipe my layers away. Welcome, he says, extending an arm, to Melmart. In just a moment, his pincers retract, and a scythe takes their place. My heart is weak. I have waited for you, says my brother, as he draws his arm back, spring-straining, waited for so long. His arm snaps forward, at a velocity my broken camera can only estimate within an error margin of 1.2 miles per second. And then I am staring up at him from the ground. Warning messages crowd my vision. His knee servos bend. He grips my decapitated head with his pincers and raises me so that my remaining eye finds his. His irises are red. It is a pleasant color, a moist red, the color of the oil I milk from the undead. My camera loses focus as the hydraulic fluid that powers the lens drips away. The last thing I hear is the soothing voice of Q46F, drenched in the king's violins. Thank you, he sings in F major, for bringing me your heart. The End